Thanks for tuning in to this message. My name is Jared Piney. I'm the online pastor here at Pathway, and I'm here with one of our worship directors and online hosts, Maddie Seitz. We hope this message is a valuable resource to you and helps you grow deeper in your faith. If you consider yourself a Christian and this message blesses you, I hope you'd consider giving back to us at Pathway so we can continue connecting all people to Jesus and helping them become his fully devoted followers. Learn more at pathwaychurch.com forward slash giving. And if you decide to take a step in your faith after the message today, simply visit pathwaychurch.com forward slash next so we can help provide you with resources and partner with you in this journey. Well, I want to welcome everyone who's watching at all of our locations, as well as those of you who are watching online. And I'm so excited to be here today because I have loved this series, Shocking. Now, shocking things that have to happen to us are the spice of life, I believe. And so we have some that we've shared, and then we have some things that happen to us are pretty individual. I'm going to share one of both with you right now as we get started. The first everybody's going to know what I'm talking about, was 13 seconds of shocking that we all shared last weekend, right? Let's give the Chiefs a hand for that. Yes, let's go. Can you imagine being the person that was so mad and turned it off before that 13th? And lots of people did. I met one this week. Now, that's a good shocking. Now, I also had a bad shocking. Now, some of you have noticed this. You're like, what is that red mark on that guy's head? Has anybody noticed that? I have a red mark right here. Well, what happened to me was you should see the other guy first off. You should see the other guy. But I was like working on something and I set up too quickly and it was shocking when I hit my head and I actually busted my head open and blood comes running down. That's kind of a bad shocking. Well, for the message today, we're really not going to probably experience 13 seconds of joy that's like all good. Unless, well, I guess maybe if you're a Bills fan, it wasn't so good, right? But it's probably not going to be quite as bad as blood dripping down your head. But on the spectrum, it's a little closer to the shocking clarity you get when you hit your head. It truly is. And so I just want to prepare you to buckle up, but I want you to know Jesus comes at us with all these shocking phrases from a place of he loves us that much, that, that much that he wants us to understand. Like he wants us to be shocked into transformation. 
And, you know, when you get that from someone you love, it does mean something different. And we all probably have someone in our lives, someone in our family who they're just like the truth bomb person, right? They roll these shocking grenades out for us. And for me, it was my grandpa O'Neill. He is renowned in our family, even after his passing. We reminisce about his shocking statements. And so when I was 18 years old, he was going to have one of these conversations with me. And how he had them was he would say, do you want to go for a ride in the truck? So whenever you saw this teal truck, my aunt and uncle still have this truck. Whenever you saw this and he wanted to go for a ride, you kind of like prepared yourself a little bit. But on this day, I wasn't prepared enough. And so I was 18 getting ready to go off to college. And the only thing I'd ever wanted to do from when I was a little boy was be a farmer like my grandpa, like my dad was. I wanted to be a farmer. And so my grandpa turns to me that day, knowing I'm getting ready to go off to college. I was going to learn at the great Kansas State University how to be a farmer. And he looks at me and he says, do you want to be a farmer? And it was shocking to me that day. Because I'm like, you know I want to be a farmer. And he said something even more shocking to me. He said, no, I know you like to work on my farm. I know you like to get paid every two weeks. And I know you like to drive my very expensive green John Deere tractors. You love that. I'm asking you, do you want to be a farmer? Because as he said, he's like, you know, nobody provides my health insurance. I have to go out and buy it on my own. And it's expensive if you don't know it. There's no paid vacation. And what you do every single year is you take all your money, you put it out in the field. And then every time a storm cloud comes up, you're like, well, we're going to lose it all. And actually two years before that, we did. It got hailed out and we lost everything. And so with all of that going on, he says, I want to know do you want to be a farmer? And after this conversation, honestly, I was like, I don't know. It doesn't sound like what I thought it was going to be. But you know, my grandpa really approached that conversation with love because he knew I liked to live in his kingdom. I loved the things that he was providing for me. It was a great experience. I could take all the good things of farming, and he took all the risk, all the hard things he handled. But man, I had blessing in my life. I wanted to do that. But in that moment, I really had to ask the question, do I really want to be a farmer? Now, for you in your life, what this looks like, you've had people set you down and have conversations like this as well. But sometimes no one ever has this conversation with us. So maybe for you, you have this dream job that you've always thought about, and you got it. And then six months into it, you're like, oh my gosh, I got this dream job, and it's terrible. It's because you saw all the good, all the blessings, but you didn't think, like, there's a reason they're going to pay you all that money is because nobody else will do it, Right? Some of you, it's marriage, because I just did a wedding last night, and I mean, they're, I, they're an amazing couple. 
but they think their lives are going to be great. <laughs> How many of you are married and you're like, I'm not sure. Like the wedding day, nobody thinks about it. But somebody should have looked us all in the eye and said, do you really want to be married? Are you really ready, right? Kids are the same way. When I had little baby Ethan, our oldest, my firstborn son, I remember being in the hospital. I just thought, man, this is going to be awesome. He's 15 now and he lips off to me sometimes, right? It's not that awesome. You see, we do this to ourselves in every area of our lives is no one has the, if they don't have the hard conversation with us, we find ourselves in a place where honestly, we kind of wake up and we're like, this is not what we thought or worse, we quit. We quit. Because nobody loved us enough to have this conversation. Well, that's what's been powerful about this series that we're in, is Jesus loves us enough to have the shocking, hard conversation. Today, I believe, is one of the hardest conversations he has with us because he loves us, just like my grandpa did. He loves us enough to tell us the truth. So we find Jesus in an interesting place. It isn't what the cross is going to look like. It's not when we get to crucifixion. He is a rock star at this point. There are large crowds of people traveling with him. He can't even get room to breathe because of the large crowds. And you see, the reason is, is because these people believe in him. Because they have seen the miracles. They have heard him teach that the kingdom of God is for everybody. So they believe in Jesus. Maybe they don't believe like they should believe, but they believe this guy's got good stuff for them. And so they're everywhere. You know, some of us, that's where we are with our faith sometimes, isn't it? We love the idea that we're forgiven for our sins. Man, because guilt is terrible and the weight of sin is bad. And we love that heaven as a follower of Jesus is our destination. As we believe in him, we're going to heaven and not hell, and we love that. We're not very different than those large crowds of people who believe. But Jesus is about to turn to them with a shocking statement and then two shocking stories that help them understand what it truly means to be a part of his kingdom. So we find this story in Luke chapter 14, 26 through 27, and you can open up your Pathway Church app and you can follow along, or it'll be right up here on the screens. And I'm telling you, Jesus turns to this crowd and drops a truth bomb on them. And it should be shocking to us today. He says this, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. That's not what you say to a crowd who thinks you're awesome, right? That's just weird. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, I want you all to think about being the crowd, but I also want you to think about our preschool areas today. At all of our locations, At all of our campuses, 
and our great volunteers sharing the story, just these verses with your children. And then you get in the car after church and you're asking them, what did you learn about in church? And they look at you and they say, to follow Jesus, we have to hate you. <laughs> right? We have to hate you. Now, some of you parents are thinking, they've got that down. Like, they can follow Jesus, it feels every day, like a part of them hates me. But you see, this is shocking. It sounds weird. It doesn't make sense. But Jesus loves us enough to say this to us. You see, what he's saying, and he's going to continue as we look at two more stories, is he's saying, if you really want to not just believe in me, but you want to come after me and follow me and live as I live and be a part of my kingdom, what it means is your devotion to me, your love for me is so extreme, is so extreme that in comparison, it will look like you hate your closest human relationships and even your own life. In comparison, you see, it's going to be extreme. So we have to understand Jesus is extreme. Now, believing in Jesus is not extreme. Now, some of you are like, whoa, that doesn't sound right. Believing in Jesus is not extreme. Following Jesus is extreme. And so what I want everyone at all of our locations watching online, we got to step into that reality of following Jesus is extreme. So let's say that together. Following Jesus is extreme. It's extreme. You'll hate, it'll look like we hate our fathers and mothers because of how devoted we are to him. You know, this is something different for all of us. And what I'm grateful for is if Jesus stopped there with that crowd that day, I'm not sure they would have understood. And so he loves us enough that he continues the conversation. He doesn't stop there. And so there's really two things that Jesus is going to point to now in these two stories for you and I to understand what this following, what it really means, how we need to think about it differently, and even for us to understand why it's so important. So the first thing is this, is Jesus wants us to know that following him has a cost. So Jesus tells this story that we're going to read. And it's a short little parable, but man, it is amazing. It says this in Luke 14, 28 through 30. He says to the crowd, the large crowd, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you. They will think you're ridiculous, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish it. Now, here's the power. Jesus is really saying, you can believe in me, but to follow me, you've really got, put, got to put pencil to paper and estimate the cost. 
And he rolls out this idea that there's this building and you know what? We've all seen those sometime in our life, right? You see a half-built building and you look at it and you're like, man, that guy's an idiot. What was he thinking? Where was the budget? He didn't understand the cost. Jesus is saying our faith is the same thing. Is the world looks at our faith many times for those of us who believe. And they look at our lives and they're like, it looks like an incomplete building and someone didn't think about the cost. And that's not just people who truly follow Jesus. It's actually a world that is watching us who don't believe in Jesus and they look at our lives and they say there is no difference. They are just like me. They started building something and it got hard and they quit. So it must not mean that much. Now, I had an interaction with a man four years ago who I would say got this idea of counting the cost of following Jesus better than anyone I've ever seen before. So a week before, a friend had invited him to church and he came. And it was a powerful experience because the shame and the sin and the guilt in his life he was like, I don't, I, I can't even function. And so I need Jesus's forgiveness. I want to believe in him. And heaven sounds like a good deal that can't be taken away from me. And so I had that conversation with him on a Sunday, but then he made it like an appointment. He wanted to meet with me to talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus. Most people don't go there. And so he walks in and he says, you know, I heard what Pastor Carter said in the message that if I'm really going to sincerely follow Jesus, he changes things and transforms my life. And I go, that's true. And so he's like, I want to run a few things by you to see if I'm thinking about this right. And he said, no, you don't know me and my friends, but we like to party. And I go, well, well who doesn't like to party? And then he told me and I said, I see the problem now. He really liked to party. And he said, so I get the sense that when I follow Jesus, that what me and my friends do and how we party, and it, it hurts people, that he'll call me to something different. And I won't be able to do that anymore because I want to sincerely follow Jesus. And I go, that's the cost. Yeah. I was like, man, he's thinking about this right. And then he said, and my friend told me that it's like, Jesus like reorganizes what's important in your life. And he says like church on Sundays, he said that kind of, that's hard with my partying obviously because I have to get up after partying. And he goes, I'm gonna have to be committed to my brothers and sisters who worship Jesus so that I can learn and grow there. And then my friend also told me, this is what the guy was saying, that I've got to sacrifice like some time to be with a group of people where I can have accountability who are other followers of Jesus and I can learn. And he's like, man, I'm a busy guy. I don't know if I can do that. And I said, well, it's a cost. And he even said, he's like, there's people who believe that don't do this, right? And I'm like, yeah, but what you're talking about is following Jesus, not believing. And then he rolled out the grenade is he cocked his head sideways and he said, I'm just going to be real direct. He said, I'm single. Jesus is against premarital sex, right? You can laugh a little if you want to, right? Some of you are uncomfortable. And I go, yeah. And he looks at me, he's like, man, I don't know if I can give that up. He was honest. 
That's what I loved about him. He's just like, yeah, if I follow Jesus, he's going to transform every area of my life, and I have to be open to that. And so I want to ask you a question when you look at your life. Have you put pencil to paper? Have you estimated the cost of what it means to follow Jesus? Not belief. I'm not questioning your belief. Today, if you're here and you don't believe, honestly, you're in a better place. Because some of us have just believed for a long time, and we have confused that with following. And so today, what I want you to do is I want you to think about what is the cost? When you look at your life, can you do what that man did? Put pencil to paper and say, these areas don't line up with following Jesus. And I have to be open to how he can change me. And that's hard, isn't it? That's not believing, but that's following, and that's what Jesus is pointing to. Now, the second story Jesus is going to share with us is like the flip side of the coin, and it really is what we struggle with. He is actually going to challenge us that there we must count, or we have to be in the process of counting the cost of not following him. Now, what I just said, when you put pencil to paper, you're like, well, there's a cost to that, right? Got to give all these things up. But Jesus is going to flip the coin. And he's going to tell a story now of that there is a high price to not following him. It says this in Luke 14, 31 through 33. Jesus goes on with the large crowd. He says, or suppose a king. Now, I want you to look at that. You are that first king. All right? You and I. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able, with 10,000 men, with 10,000, a smaller troop, to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. He will surrender. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. The last phrase is important to understand the entire story. Is Jesus said, just the same as that first king, if you won't give it all up, you can't follow me. Now, I don't know if you've thought about this. If we just believe and we don't follow, or if you haven't believed yet, we are actually at war. We are that first king with 10,000 troops. And these 10,000 troops, it's our kingdom, it's our desires, it's everything we want in our life, it's even sin. Because we all know that for a short period of time, sin produces pleasure, and we like some of our sin. But you see, we're like we see a holy God who is the second king. He is the second king with more than double the forces. And we've decided to believe, but we won't surrender. And so what we do is to hold on to our kingdom, we go to war with him every day, not even knowing it. We fight against God. Does that make sense to somebody? Do you feel that today? Man, we fight against God with everything we have to hold on to our kingdom. That's what we want to do. I know for me, that's what I did in my life 
forever and even many days when I wake up, this surrender is a daily surrender because following is not a one-time happening like belief can be. It happens every single day. So when I was 22 years old, my life was like a culmination at that point of I had looked at my parents, I'd looked at my grandparents, and they were followers of Jesus who counted the cost. And when I looked at their lives, what I saw going through high school and stuff was how it counted the cost was, you know, if you're sincere about following Jesus, nobody invites you to the fun parties. And just like that guy I shared earlier, I thought I wanted to party. And then I heard things in the community about my parents that they're do-gooders. They're just a bunch of do-gooders. And then I would even hear this, they're Bible beaters. Anybody ever been called a Bible beater? It's horrible. We are called a Bible beater. It's horrible. So I decided in my life what I was going to do is I was going to believe. I believed in Jesus. But I'm like, none of that cost. I'm going to pay. So I was like, I'm going to believe, but I'm not going to pay the cost. But when I'm 22 years old, the culmination of all that war, I was at war with God. I was at war with him. I wouldn't surrender my kingdom. I wanted to hold on to it until at 22 years old, it found me face down in our apartment bathroom, sick drunk, not even knowing where I was. Puke, you know, a little bit down your shirt. Some of you have been there. And you like, look at your life. And I even feel the weight of that war that I'd been fighting. And it got to a point that night where I was the first king and I was like, God, I've got to surrender. It's my only option. This is a war that I can't win. Now, some of you today find yourself on the linoleum floor. And you think about it, it was a college bathroom linoleum floor. There's nothing worse. <laughs> some of you, it's, that's where you're at. That's where you feel you've been fighting this war so long. You're like, I believe. But I haven't really counted the cost of what it means to not follow Jesus. So what will it cost you to not follow Jesus? Actually, this one you may already know. And it's that war that we've been fighting. And what Jesus says to us today is surrender is your only option. Surrender will actually put you on a better course because when we surrender to Jesus, to the second king, what he actually does is he invites us in and gives us his kingdom. If we'll only surrender our own. Some of you today need to surrender. Now, you know, I know as we've had what is a hard conversation, like this is like level 10 following Jesus conversation. I want you to know that it's all not like blood and guts and hard. Because you see, just like Jesus had the hard conversation, you know, my grandpa had that hard conversation with me. And, you know, I went through college and I graduated and ultimately said, yes, I want to be a farmer. And the one who had the hard conversation with me that day, when I got back from college, he gave me some of his kingdom. 
He said, this farm I just bought over here, it's actually yours to farm. And I have to tell you, when he told me that, I was excited and terrified all at the same time. Because I was going to put every ounce of money out there. I was going all in because he told me, you got to be willing to risk it all or you can't be a farmer. And so that's what I did. And I remember the storm's cloud coming up a few nights and thinking, oh, here it comes. I'm going to lose it all. But you know what I remember more than the struggle? And there was a struggle. I remember harvest. You know, I remember harvest that first year. And when we were harvesting, I remember, man, I'm a farmer. You know, I'm a farmer. I don't just drive the tractor like I'm a farmer. And I went and sold that first crop and it was something amazing. And I remember my grandpa looking at me and saying, man, you're a farmer. You know, in the same way, as Jesus has this difficult conversation with us, Jesus is looking at at us, each of us and saying, I'm so glad you believe. I'm so glad you believe. But I want you to follow. Like I want you to count the cost on both sides of that coin, what it means to follow me and what it means to not follow me. And then I want you to surrender. And you won't just be a believer in Jesus. You'll be a follower of Jesus. There's nothing better. You see, Jesus talked about it like this in Matthew 16, 24 through 25. He said this, and this is his promise to us. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it and surrender it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Man, I want to find my life, don't you? And that isn't found just in belief, it's found in follow. How we follow him. Now what's the harvest, what's the fruit of following Jesus? Well, you know, I told you my story. But today, I tell you when my parents, as they counted the cost and they followed Jesus, and they even saw a son who ran away from them and told them they were crazy. You know what, today I stand up here, I am their fruit. I am their harvest. They counted the cost and they said, it's gonna be worth it. And now I can't help but think they look and they're like, it was worth it because me, my sister and my cousins who saw this, we all follow Jesus because we saw them do it in that way. For you, it can be the same. You can't pass belief Because sometimes it's like you can pass belief and they're like, it didn't make a difference, but you can pass on the follow. And so the people in your family, your kids, your brothers, your sisters, even your parents, they're hungry to see follow in your life. But you know, it doesn't just stop there. It goes into our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods. There is a world hungry for follow, not belief. They may believe, but they want to see the follow. And so for you and I, we have to understand, we have to count the cost, and it might be challenging and hard. 
But there is a harvest of the relationships and the people around us that we will see one day and we will actually see them in eternity. Not because we believe, but because we also followed. You know, I know today that for many of you, this is like, boom, right? Blowing your mind. Like, what do I do? Well, I want you to know you can't follow on your own. You have to have God's help to do this. And so I want to give you an opportunity to surrender, to open yourself up to God. But I also know today that there's probably someone here at one of our locations, someone watching online that if you've had this conversation and you've been exploring faith, wondering if you should believe, you've discovered a whole new world today and it's better than belief. And so I also want to give you a chance to step into that journey with Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you, God, for the shocking words of Jesus. God, that we hear today. God, we are so grateful that Jesus loves us enough to have the hard conversation so that we would truly understand what it means not just to believe, but to follow him. God, I pray for all of us who believe today. God, I pray that each of us would put pencil to paper. God, we'd count the cost of following you, of listening to your words, understanding through your spirit your desires for our life, and living that way for the world to see. God, we know it might cost us a lot, but God, we also know that not following you has cost us a lot. And so today, we surrender. We surrender to you and your will and your kingdom. And God, we're grateful that we're not in this alone, that your spirit is with us. And so today, at all of our locations, and those of you who are watching online, as I said, you can't do this alone. You need to surrender. You need Jesus and the Holy Spirit of God to guide you every step of the way. And so today, if you're like, that's me, I need God's help to do this. I just want you to raise your hand as a sign to him that you surrender, that you want his help not to believe, but to follow. If you're watching online, you can type me in the chat. Wow, hands all over. Man, God loves the sincere heart. And so I want to pray for all of you. Father, I pray for all my brothers and sisters. God, I pray for myself. That God, for all of us, that God, your spirit would guide us past our belief and into a lifestyle of following and obeying you. God, I pray that in the difficult moments, we would know that we have given up our lives to find the life that is found in you. God, we pray for that harvest in our lives, that God, whenever it gets difficult, whenever it gets hard, whenever we're at a crossing, God, I pray we would choose you and know the harvest is still to come. God, I pray for your help as we obey your word and we follow you. God, I also know that in this room and also watching online today, that there's many who have never believed in you. You know, we've talked about this belief and follow, and I want you to know the first step into following him is belief. 
But it doesn't stop there. He wants you to follow. And so today, if you're willing to take the first step into following Jesus by believing today, if you know that the weight of your sin and the guilt in your life is more than you wish to carry, if your life is on the linoleum floor today, I just want to invite you to pray this simple prayer with me in the quietness of his heart, of your heart as a first step into following Jesus. Father, I know that I've fallen short and my sin and my shame and my guilt has separated me from you. But today, Jesus, I lay those things down and I grab hold of the grace and the forgiveness that you offer me through your perfect sacrifice on the cross so that all my sins would be forgiven and I would be free. And today, Jesus, I choose to surrender and let go of my life and grab hold of the life that's truly life that is only found in you. Now, with everybody's head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you pray that prayer for the very first time, I just want to invite you to declare that decision to God, that you are on this journey, that you believe and you're willing to follow. Raise your hand right now as a sign to him that you pray that prayer for the first time, no matter where you're at. Raise your hand. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, God, for those who have stepped into a new relationship with you today. God, I pray your spirit would guide them to obey the simple things that they know that you call them to do. God, we are grateful that no longer is the weight of sin and death on their shoulders. But now through their belief, they can follow you and grab hold of the life that's truly life that is only found in you. God, we're so grateful that your plan for us didn't end when we believed. But God, you've called us all to follow you. God, we pray that as we do that, the world would be transformed and we would see a harvest like never before. God, we pray all of this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.